Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content you can subscribe to this podcast and most of the time you can just do it from your phone from itunes click subscribe and write a review this really helps us continue this path and this journey and we love doing it so much and again i'm so grateful that you're here let us know what you thought thanks for listening Luke's story is a former Hollywood celebrity fashion stylist. He spent the past 21 years developing and refining the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality, while at the same time embracing the technology and modern conveniences of urban living. I chatted with Luke about how he used his self as a research lab to explore the broad and sometimes extreme variety of measures to obtain optimal health, performance, and well-being, while surviving being injected with poisonous Amazonian frog venom to enduring weeks of neurofeedback meditation in isolation chamber. Luke is definitely somebody that you want to talk to. He's got an incredible podcast called The Lifestylist that you all have to go check out and listen to. I was so excited to have him over for tea and I'm so excited to share the conversation we had. Here's Luke's story. How is it? Like, have you gotten used to, have you found your flow, your rhythm? I think I have um, found a flow, but I listen back to every single show to Mm -hmm. see how I can improve. Mm -hmm. One thing that I find on my show that I'm working on now is swearing less. And <laughs> and also not over not being overbearing on the guest and like interrupting them, mm. which I do. I get excited, or when yeah. I ask a question, sometimes I'll make the question really long and I'll like make the question about me because I'm coming. From, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah, that's my totally. obviously me is my point of reference. <laughs> right. I'll be like, well, we when are. this happens to me and I do this, da yeah. da da. So what do you think? And then I ask their. You know, I ask them the question and then right. I answer. And then sometimes when I listen back, I'm like, shut up. Okay, now stop. Let's yeah, stop, stop, yeah, stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. But you're always going to be more hypercritical to yourself. Well, totally. Right? And also I'm hyper, I get, like, I get it in my head when I get some feedback, like a review or 
an email or a comment that's like, for example, I get comments every once in a while about the swearing. Because when I interview people, it's just real and conversational. And that's kind of, I think, some of the charm of it is that it's not like a radio show. Like, hi, so Rosie, I'd like yeah. to talk to you about your career. It's not yeah. like that. It's just like shooting the shit like we're doing. But I'll get a comment that's like, hey, it's really offensive when you say this or that or when you swear. Uh, one person wrote me, and this is one stuck in my head because I felt bad. They're like, my husband, I love your show. You're our favorite podcast. This will be the first time I've had my foot licked the entire time I'm interviewed. This is amazing. I'm going to be all blissed out slash distracted. said, my husband, I love your show. It's really inspiring. You got it. They gave me these great accolades. And they're yeah. like, but we can't really listen to it anymore because the time we listen to it is in the car and our 10-year-old son is there. And your language is out of control. If there's any way you could like tone it down. And it was a request, not a demand. You right. know, if someone's like, you need to do this or that. I'm yeah. like, F you. But I was thoughtful, I think, about it. And was like, all right, you know, there's something to that. Yeah. I think I can find a way to express myself and be excited, authentic, and enthusiastic without swearing so much. <laughs> you know okay. I mean? Yeah. So in regard to your question, do I have it down? I don't think you ever have it down, but... I think I'm Yeah, I'm it, getting, it just I'm makes you Yeah, it. and it makes you more mindful like there are I mean I in the beginning did not my dog's going crazy right now. <laughs> this is seriously, you guys, I'm sorry you guys watching and the people listening, I'm definitely not going to edit this out, but like my dogs are literally super chill most of the time. Yeah. But for some reason they're like do, they're doing the whole song and dance to impress you right now. He's I'm bringing into his it. toy. This one's licking your foot. I'm, I'm just like I'm actually really into it. I didn't I didn't um he like listen to the interviews I did in the beginning. Like I just I felt like I lived them. I didn't need to hear them again. But there was a lot of them as as I got more experience where I felt I could improve and, and I started to do the same thing. And then other times where the conversation was just so good that I was trying to remember those little snippets of wisdom that I got from somebody. Um, and I, and I love to write, you know, and it might inspire something in me or something that I want to share with, with people that don't listen to the yeah. podcast or something. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah, cool. It's been an exercise, like listening back has also been an exercise in watching, uh, observing the inner critic. Yeah. At yeah. first I was like, oh my God, it sounds so stupid and this and that. I don't like the way my voice sounds and all of those insecurities bubble to the yeah. surface. So I've used it as a way to sort of uncomfortably at times and painfully at times just learn to accept myself and just be me and right. listen back and go, okay, so I said um more times than I wanted to, or I say like, you know, those filler words that drive me crazy when I listen to other people. So I've had to use it as a tool for self-acceptance. <laughs> I laugh because those are my exact same <laughs> filler words yeah. because you're thinking and you're not, you know, ex you're not extracting. <laughs> I'm telling you, like and you know and sort of. Those are the ones I'm working on now. I've gotten pretty good at um and uh. Okay. I very rarely say um. I'll just wait and allow there to be silence. But when I get on a tirade and the cadence of my speech yeah. speeds up a bit, it's really hard to catch the likes and the you knows and the sort of. Huh. Like especially. Yeah. But I find it annoying when I'm listening to someone and every other word is like. 
I'm just always thinking, what why, do you, why, why do we have to put those filler words yeah, in? Yeah, that's interesting. So I've researched it a bit because I have a coaching client that I'm working yeah. with. I know you do coaching, yeah. right? Yeah. And he wasn't asking me to help him with his speech patterns per se, but we were talking about him going on a, a pretty big substantial job interview. He's a oh. doctor and he wanted to work at this one, I don't know what you call it, a medical group, I guess you could say. So it's a pretty big deal. He's going to Manhattan. It was a big fancy interview. Yeah. And I noticed just because I'm always working on my speech patterns that he says um a lot. But his ums aren't just like dropped in mid-sentence. If you ask him a question, and if you're watching, if he's watching this, he's gonna be like, F you. <laughs> he's probably not watching. He probably won't hear this. Oh, I don't think. Goodness. But it's all my intention is positive. Yeah. It just comes from my own working on these things myself. Yeah. But his ums are so punctuated because when you ask him a question like, so, hey, Joe, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? Um, I think da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> like really pronounced yeah. and frequent. So yeah. since he hired me to help him, I said, man, when you go on the interview, you know, really try to be cognizant of the use of the ums because what it broadcasts to me is insecurity. Hmm. And I've looked at it in my own practice as feeling that somebody's going to abandon you in mid-sentence. Oh, that they're going to break away. Yeah, and so the subconscious or the ego will throw in these sounds or noises in the form of, um, uh, you know, sort of like, yeah. in an effort to keep that person engaged so that you're not bailed on or oh. disrespected. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, really, it does really, it is really rooted in insecurity. Yes. Because when you watch a badass, like a spiritual teacher, yeah. imagine, um, there goes, um, imagine, I don't know, even listening to Oprah or Eckhart Tolle or Wayne Dyer or people that are just really great orators, yeah. they'll just leave silence and you're kind of waiting or a Tony Robbins or Brendan Burchard, even the personal development, yeah. business guys, the, the great public speakers, mm -hmm. they'll give a statement and it'll just breathe and you're waiting on the edge of your seat like give me more yeah so the filler words actually have the opposite effect because they indicate to the audience that you're insecure or you're reaching for something or yeah you're trying to formulate something in that moment i think they're more likely to abandon you and lose a bit of respect or interest when you use filler words rather than just giving the space but the space takes a lot of courage mm. Because you're just dangling there in midair, hoping that everyone doesn't divert their attention from what you're saying and just leave you energetically. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so good. I think that's so interesting. Well, it's I, trippy, right? Yeah, it is. I remember listening to Dave Asprey talk about that. And I know that you, I've yeah. interviewed him, you've interviewed yeah. him, and he talks about those sort of filler words or in relation to the synapses in our brain and our brain function. I remember he talked about that in his latest book. And not, not in the way that you're talking about it in more of the sort of emotional currency, but, but just as a way that we, we function, you know, but I, I really like, I mean, that to me resonates a lot because I think it's so true when we're just trying to keep the attention of someone and it, there's that fear that if I do leave the silence, Am I interesting enough for this person? Am I worthy enough for this person's attention? Right. <gasps> I'm, I use it as a little growth 
experiment when I can be aware of it. Sometimes I just get excited and hyped and I say all those words and I don't even notice. <clears throat> but if I can really stay present in the moment and allow myself to feel that insecurity and the discomfort of just having space, yeah. it's much like eye contact. Yeah. I think I'm decent at eye contact, but depending on my mood, sometimes I'll really avoid it because I just don't feel confident enough to be that intimate with someone. So I'll find myself mm. in a con independent on who I'm talking to. Yeah. If there's anything I want from them, I'll be more insecure. Whereas if it's someone that I don't want anything from on any level, then I feel much more confident. There's no fear of loss because I don't want anything. Right. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. there's a two parts. It's like, well, how do I learn how to not want anything from anyone right. in, in a needy sense? Yes. And also to build the self-worth to really, in a visceral way, have the experience that my um, words have meaning and value and that I'm worth looking at and looking into when it comes to like presence and eye contact and stuff. So these are weird little nuanced things that I always work with as tools to become more who I want to be. Oh, well, for those of you listening and those of you watching, we literally just went there in our conversation. I'm like, I wanted to start with having you tell everyone about your background and who you are and what you're doing, which we can still, we can but, but I would really love for you to just, uh, for the people that are listening, for, for my audience that uh, don't know you or, or know your work, can you give us a little bit of background as to what your previous career was, what you're doing now, and how it, it is, uh, how, how you came to get the information that you just dropped on sure. us? Yeah, now the whole conversation, both of us are going to be trying not to say <laughs> I'll just say, I mean, I say it, I find that I say it, I say it a lot. I say it more when I'm being interviewed as opposed to, you know, if I'm, I, that's my word. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know. I, I think I counted, I'm not going to tell you guys listening or watching which episode, but I listened, re-listened to one of my episodes uh, from two months ago, and I counted so many you knows that there was like a span. <laughs> you totally shouldn't have led with that. Not at all, because yeah. everyone's going to listen to it. And yeah, totally. And now anyone listening to it's going to be so aware of yeah. every one of those films. Well, this will be a great we totally, practice. We totally It'll be a great practice. Ourselves. Exactly. What actually I think creates some value for yeah. the people listening too. Because you do have to represent yourself out in the world. We're always in relation to others. Mm -hmm. And how people perceive you is important and it impacts your life. Yeah. You could get a job or not get a job or have a second date with someone or not a second date mm -hmm. based on the level of confidence and yeah. verbal acuity that you uh, present. So, yeah. So where I come from, I, what's my story? I always try to, what's my story, Luke's story? What's your story, I always try Luke's to say story? it in a, in a way that's fast, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. But how I got interested in personal development and taking the time and effort, like, in my soul, I have to share it. And so starting a podcast and being able to interview all these fantastic yes. and brilliant people that I just respect so much and then share their teachings with the world is just... I feel like I'm finally really doing what I was meant to do. Not just wow. the podcast, but just be a, be In your life. a beacon of, of truth. Seeking truth, finding it, vetting it, and then putting it out, moving on to the next thing, doing the same yeah. process. And 
Have you always had that burning desire or, or is it something that came about after you had that awakening when you checked yourself into rehab? I've always been very obsessive. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had phases of things that I was into. Like there was a Bruce Lee karate phase and I had the nunchucks and the throwing stars. <laughs> like my whole room was plastered with Bruce Lee posters. And then there was like the BMX phase and oh, the right. skating phase where like I, all I did was like skateboard and ride my BMX bike and dirt bikes, motorcycles. Uh, then there was like the heavy metal phase where I lived and breathed heavy metal bands in the in the early 80s and and uh and that's all I talked about or thought about so I've always had a thing that I'm into and it gets so all-encompassing that it eclipses everything else in the periphery it's just like I'm very single focused now when that's on something positive like <clears throat> refining my meditative practice and working on my shamanic breathing, you know, uh, depth and regularity, it's awesome when it's on like, ooh, how can I get the best heroin in Los Angeles? Not so much. <laughs> right. So it's like that obsessive nature I have always, I just was born that way. I just, yeah. my mind and sometimes soul just grab something yeah. and I won't let it go until I figured it out, you know? Yeah. But I also, um, I've taken a lot of personality tests over the years and Myers-Briggs and the DISC test. What are you? And, uh, Myers-Briggs. Uh, oh, God. I can never... I-F... I can't remember offhand. I haven't I-N-F-J. even ever known. It's like I'm the extrovert that makes life up as I go along hmm. and can't stand planning, can't stand structure, schedules. I just want to be with people and just live in the moment. But mm. I forget my DISC oh, thing. Okay. But the one that I do remember is a book that was recommended by a friend and um, guest on my show, Neil Strauss, when I used to be in his mastermind group um, called The Society, and it's called Strengths Finders 2.0. It's a little book. And you read the book, it's about 20 bucks. I'd recommend it to anyone that hmm. wants to not only know themselves, you know, know thyself, but also when you're in relationships with people, romantically, friends, family, work, whatever the case may be, it teaches you about the people you interact with. And the whole purpose of Strength Finders is to find out what your strengths are and then to maximize those and just focus on enhancing and enlarging those rather than trying to become what you're not. So oh. for me, if I find, wow, that's interesting, I'm not a math whiz, like why try to do my own taxes? Why right. don't I go paint a pretty picture? You know? yeah. So what I found in Strength Finders is, I think it was my, num- there's five top strengths and um, Mine, I think number two is called input. And input is when you're someone who has this insatiable appetite for information. And yeah, it's interesting. So that's like, I'm never just passively, only time I'm passive is when I'm meditating. That's the only time I'm basically not reading on the internet, watching videos, listening to podcasts. I'm just obsessed with learning Hmm. and with improving myself. So when that obsessive personality type is pointed in the right direction with positive goals and motives, like mine is now most of the time, then I think it's um, really beneficial. Yeah. Because, I mean, when I interview someone on my show, I don't just show up, dude. I've researched every podcast they've been on. I've read their book. I've formulated all these questions. I mean, I take a deep dive into every one. And then when they leave, then I, I, you know, I research everything we talked about for my show notes and my intro. I mean, I'm like so hardcore. Yeah. I listen to someone like Joe Rogan. They're like, yeah, so our guest today is Joe Smith and we're just going to talk. Let's go. Hey, Joe. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you not like give it your all? Right. 
Well, it, I think it just it depends on the type of person. I'm the same way. If some, especially if if I've had guests on that have a book or want to talk about a book, like sometimes it, they're like, well, we need you know we we need um, our author to be on this particular week and I'm like well I, I don't know if I could read this book in that amount of time they're like well it's fine you know just kind of you know you can read the overview and I'm like no I'd like to read the book because then it just it makes me well not only does it make me feel more confident but it also gives me a first-hand experience as to what exactly this person's about and and for me I find it that I I can give the the most uh, value to the listeners because then there's a direct connection and then there's there's a relationship or there's some sort of commonality there where I resonated with something that somebody wrote about or how it's what you were saying earlier. You turn the conversation into back to yourself, you know, when you're interviewing. But I'm like, but that's how we relate. So, you know, I can see like when, you know, I learned about you. I'm like, how did we not how did our paths not cross sooner? Because you were kind of in the same circles, you know, we had kind of like, uh, even though I wasn't in the fashion world, I worked at a hair salon, you know, and, and even during that time, there was a lot of like stylists that would come in and I knew a lot of people and it's just interesting that our paths are crossing now, you know, and now they'll be forever crossed, which is really great, you know, and for me, everything that you're doing, not only do I feel like you're a, a little bit of my spirit animal because we have similar backgrounds as to how we grew up and, and sort of the moments that we had those uh, awakening. I, I, I say epiphany, but I always feel like when you say I had an epiphany, to me it feels almost like it lessens the the depth of something that happens. Yeah, know? I think of that too. Epiphany would be more like a momentary realization. Right. It's like, oh, I just remembered something. I got to grab my keys out of the car. <laughs> yeah. like that's an epiphany kind of? Right. Whereas an awakening is when It's you, like, whoa, you, your life has changed. You this see is things like, that you were unable to see prior to that. Exactly. So place, so yeah. I, I can definitely resonate with that. And I, and I really love everything that you're doing. And I love that you're doing all of these experiments and we get to reap the benefits from it. So I don't have to go sit in that cryo chamber because I heard it's really cold in there. <laughs> it is. Um, There's one, the one I go to is at Nextelt. It's right down the street. No, I, I, I did it. Yeah. I did it once. Yeah. Um, and it, it was fine. I, I still don't know exactly what the what it's doing, you know? Is it... Well, it gives you a major dopamine and serotonin uh, upload. Yeah. For one thing, just mood. Um, it diminishes stress, anxiety, and depression on the spot. So that's sort of more on the psycho psychological and emotional mm -hmm. level. But... What it does physically is it really speeds up recovery from injury or exertion. So they mm -hmm. use it a lot in sports, right? Yeah. So if, for example, say you haven't done like really hardcore yoga or worked out for a long time yeah. and then you do it and you get really sore and then that prevents you from jumping back in and doing your practice the next day because you have to recover. Right. So if you did like an ice bath or cryo. Which, which are... I've done before. Ice baths to me because I trained for the marathon. Oh, so I've, cool, I've run cool. the marathon four times Whoa. and that was like my thing. Like I'd come home and I'd do ice baths. Yeah. You know? well, so I guess go. it's the same thing. It's the, it's the same thing. The, the idea with cryo is just that it's colder and faster mm. so it's kind of a convenience thing and i'm sure it has somewhat different effects just because yeah. you're dealing with a gas um, rather than you know a liquid mm. but i personally prefer ice baths 
over that. They take a little more time and it's a bit more of a process. You get wet, you got to take a shower. It's yeah. like the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but there's something about the primordial relationship to water mm. that just moves me. I'm just a, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a Scorpio. I'm a water, I'm a double Scorpio, oh. double water sign. But like, I always am looking for water. Like, mm. I won't, I'm saying like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> See, I get excited, the likes come. Yeah. When I am looking for somewhere to get outdoors, say, hey, you want to go for a hike? I'm pretty much out unless there's water involved at some point. Hmm, like I, a waterfall or Yeah, I don't want to go on a hike unless there's a reward of some immersion in the water. What if there's a pond? Yeah, totally. Any okay. water. I jump in any body of water. When I go on road trips, I'm constantly scanning the side of the road for any creeks or rivers and anywhere I can find a place to jump in. I take off all my clothes, I jump in the river, creek, and get back in the car and go. I went to Tahoe a few months ago and I just stopped along the way and jumped in every hot spring and every river oh, and that's so pond cool. I could find. Yeah. That's awesome. So ice baths to me are just so powerful. Hmm. There's something about getting in that water yeah. and it's an ancient memory or something. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I for the longest time I did it for about a year. Um, I I said, um, did you see that? <laughs> no, I didn't even notice. <laughs> uh, for, for about a year. <laughs> we psyched ourselves I out. know. We shouldn't have done that at the beginning. We should have waited till the end. Anyway. Yeah. I, I it's, would, it's good practice. Yeah, it is. I would get in the shower, and then at the end, I would put the cold, the cold on for about uh, 30 seconds, and then I increased it to about a minute, where it's just cold. Like, I'm taking a warm shower, and then I just do cold at the end, and then I'm like, whoop. That'll wake you up and then, you know, start my day. And I found, I don't know where I, if I read it somewhere, if I um, heard it in a podcast. Maybe it could have been the Bulletproof podcast that I heard it. Maybe Dave talked about it. And I felt awesome. I felt great. I would be, my mind was clear. My body felt different. I was able to, my practice felt better. My body felt better. And then I stopped doing it. And then I tried to do it again, maybe like a month later, and I just couldn't do it. I'm like, oh, it's too cold. It freaked me out. So I might start doing that again. Just I of what you're saying. very rarely turn the hot water on at all. Really? <laughs> I, <gasps> <yeah>. <gasps> in fact, crazy. I'm so happy right yeah. now because the water in LA is usually pretty warm. Mm -hmm. The cold water, most of the years, to Not me, there. isn't very yeah. cold. But now it's, it's pretty cold. It's I mean, cold now. I get in every morning. I'm like, oh, God, why do I do this? <laughs> but after two or three breaths, I just, I don't want to turn on the hot water because mm. I like that contracted feeling. It also gives you a massive spike in cortisol Yeah. when you get in cold water like that. Mm. So it's a great thing to do in the morning because it wakes yeah. you up. That's why I like to do it. But I'll take a huge deep breath, hold the breath in, and then put my face right in the cold water, look at my third eye, and... I intend to look into that darkness of eternity and just feel like an ancient mammal. Just feel that depth of humanity. Yeah. And just really connect to my body. And that's what that cold water, man, because your nervous system, the animal part of you, the nervous system wants to run and hide. It doesn't yeah. want to be uncomfortable. It doesn't want to be uncomfortable And I at find all. that sort of sets me up psychologically psychologically for the day. That's this courage muscle that's being flexed and also having dominion over the body rather than mm -hmm. the other way around. So yeah. it's a very yogic 
Oh, yeah, it is. Practice and intention for me. Yeah. But it has all these health benefits. Too. Yeah. Well, that's great. I, I think that everyone should try it at least once. How, how I learned to do it and tolerate it and then eventually not just tolerate it but enjoy it was doing what they used to call hydrotherapy, which is just hot and cold fluctuating back and forth. So you yeah. get in the shower. For someone that's interested in trying to uh, adopt this as a practice, is doing you know nice and hot, nice and warm, get very comfortable, and then like you said, you just put on the cold at the end, or you alternate back and yeah. forth. It's really good if you like. I started doing it because I have back pain I've had for eternity, it seems like, and it would really alleviate my back pain to do the hot and cold. And then eventually, when I started doing cold plunges in rivers and lakes, and in the ocean, and then into ice baths and cryo and stuff like that, I just kind of stopped doing the alternating mm -hmm. hot mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just make it all cold. Yeah. Except maybe oh. once a week or something, I'll. It's like a big treat if I turn on if the hot water. If we turn on the hot water. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really fun. I go, oh yeah. my god, this is amazing, and it, it's actually a great gratitude practice huh. because I, I know there are many people that don't even have the opportunity to take to a shower at all, let alone a piping hot shower yeah. with really good water pressure with a chlorine filter on there and yeah. everything. So. When I do the the hot, it's like, oh, it's such a reward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so great. I have a question regarding, um, <laughs> there's the, um, all right, you guys are probably so sick of hearing us edit ourselves. So I'm going to try and just leave them in there and not think about it. Don't even trip. Just leave them in. It's all good. <clears throat> okay. You earlier were talking about how you had a, a dream of becoming a musician or a rock star and, that was kind of part of what was fueling your your actions at the time. What what has your dream changed to now? Has it changed? And what sort of desires do you have now at this stage of in your life? Those are kind of two separate questions. Well, in playing music, there were a few motives there. One motive was that I love music, the energy of music. When I was a kid and I first heard rock and roll, I, was, I think the example I always give is Jimi Hendrix. That was probably the first music I heard that just was truly a spiritual experience and just blew my goddamn yeah. mind. And then I was, you know, then it was, I discovered everything after that, which I don't know, it was probably like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all that kind of like stoner hard rock of the 70s, which I heard when I was a kid. So I loved music and I loved the feeling of music. So that's why I wanted to move to Hollywood and play in a band. And I think that's maybe the more wholesome, authentic motive is mm -hmm. I want to create I'm given a certain degree of talent and I want to express that talent and I want to meet other people that have talent and we can co-create together and there's something magical about sitting down at a piano or a bass or guitar. There's just thin air in existence right now but through your consciousness and your physical body and the apparatus of your fingers and arms and voice and whatever, drumming, anything, you create something out of nothing and yeah. that I think is a really healthy motive to want to create whether it be painting or being a sculptor or actor or anything. But on the other side of that, on maybe the less conscious side was just abject insecurity and low self-worth and the need to be validated by getting approval and appreciation from other people. And that's what a lot of it was for me. I like music, but I've never been like a musician's musician mm -hmm. to where I'm gonna sit there and play eight hours a day whether anyone ever hears me or not. 
I you know, screw around a little here and there. I have a couple guitars at home. It, a month might go by and I don't touch them. I don't have that sort of innate drive that I think, I don't want to say like one musician is a true musician and another is not, but I was not like a virtuoso child prodigy, like born to perform kind of guy. But I was really bad in school. The way that school was taught didn't suit my learning style at all. Still, I can't stand, it's sort of so ironic that I ended up starting a school and that's how I mostly make a living. It's just ridiculous. But it, it makes sense actually because I made my own type of school. I made yeah. a school, a fashion school that is not like any other school. So in a sense, it actually, it makes sense. But anyway, to the dreams and, and, and motives and all of that, I was never conscious of the more egoic motives to play music mm. and to want to be famous. It was more like the love of music was was true and real. And the other part was having no other skills, no other education, no other abilities other than be able to like put four strings together on a bass guitar right. and kind of make it work. And I really hated having a job. And <laughs> so to me, it was like, salvation i just am not a good employee i'm not a good employee i just that to this day i just don't work for other people i just can't i can't do it i'm not wired that way i'll make my own i'll come up with some way to make money you, know, you put me anywhere on a deserted island i will sell someone sand like i'll figure it out but um it was like the terror of the idea of having to have a job and yeah. work for a living and then um there was this sense of salvation that like always in my 20s when I was kind of in a rough spot, it's like, oh, I'm, in a, I'm having a hard time now, but if we just get the deal and we get our advance, then all my problems will be solved. Or if I'm just famous, then I can get any girl that I want and everyone will love me and all of that stuff. And I played music for 15 years, you know, and I never achieved the kind of financial rewards from it that would have made it possible to make mm. that my sole vocation. Yeah. But after I started to work on myself and get into meditation and things like that, after sobriety, I really started looking at my motives and I started learning about the, the nature of ego. And then <laughs> I slowly started to find that I really didn't want to play music and play in bands anymore because there was no way I could ignore the motive of just wanting to be liked and to meet um. someone and they go, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm... I'm an assistant fashion stylist, but I play in a band. You know, my identity was so wrapped up in like, I'm cool because I'm a musician, not I'm cool just because I'm a cool fucking guy. Yeah. I'm a good person. Yeah. You know, it was more about what I did than who I am. Mm. So my motive in life now, not that I don't want material success, and I can tell you my dreams because they're very clear to me, but my goal is to become more who I want to be and what I want to be than what I do. Mm-hmm. Now that said, the more I become who I'm meant to be, the more interesting things that I do. Yeah. And the more notoriety I get because I'm excited about what I'm learning and sharing. So I'm broadcasting that out at any given chance. I mean, there's no accident. We have Instagram Live and Facebook Live going at my request on your podcast. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm all about media and promotion, yeah. but I think my motive, I'm sure the motive of wanting to be popular and be liked and all that is still there to some degree, obviously. I'm, I've not... Um, you know, transcended human desires and needs or the ego by any stretch. I don't think of myself as some enlightened being. I still retouch some of my Instagram pictures to look better than I really <laughs> look. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a real normal guy. Uh, but 
I would never try and play in a band now because I want to be famous or something. Right. You know, it's like, I don't think I would play in a band at all because I just don't have that drive. What my dream is now is to really, is to further develop myself and, and develop uh, a deeper sense of self-love and self-acceptance mm. to where I can really carry that with me and transmit that and help other people to find more of that for themselves. Yeah. And sometimes I have to do that in a roundabout way with all of the health stuff and the physical practices. Sure. Those are just like hobbies to me. And you do have to have your biology. Of course. In good, you have to have mitochondrial energy in order to go out and teach a yoga class or lead a meditation or travel to Costa Rica and mm -hmm. do your retreat or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you got to have your body intact. But I think for me, I've used the physical practices a lot as a distraction from doing the real inner work. And so a lot of the people that I guess you would call my following or people that listen to my show, they get really hung up in all the physical stuff. And I sort of humor them because <laughs> it's a hobby and I'm, I find it interesting, but it's like really about let's get inside. Let's do yeah. the real, the real yeah. work. Yeah. You know, you want to lose belly fat and you're infertile and you have acne or whatever. Cool. Like there's hacks for that. But the real hack is walking through the fire, you know, and facing mm. those things that we're all afraid of. Yeah. Of intimacy and being seen and all that. So the place I am in my life right now is just allowing myself to be more and more real and more authentic, not just to myself and my interpersonal relationships, but even outwardly facing to the world of social media and becoming a persona kind of in this health and wellness space as I've elected to do and seem to be successfully doing. So on the inner goals, that's what I'm about. Mm. But I'm also really at the moment working on my relationship to wealth and success and money. I have real preconceived ideas that wealthy people are dicks and that if mm. I want money and a big house and want to travel and fly first class that there's something unspiritual about that oh you're yes so my own inner journey now is going yeah. wait no this is uh, whatever created me created me to have abundance in every respect and i think i've really held myself back in terms of financial success a lot in my life and i'm comfortable i mean i'm okay i'm I don't want for anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. I eat great organic food and I have a <laughs> supplement cabinet with thousands of dollars <laughs> of the crap in there. I drive a nice car. I mean, I'm, I have new clothes every few months. I'm cool, but I don't live in the place that I would like to live. I would like to live somewhere more peaceful and out in nature. And I'd like to have a home that's beautifully designed and has lovely things in it and that I feel comfortable in and that is aesthetically pleasing. And, um, I'd like to be able to travel, and I really hate flying coach. I, I do. It's very you're uncomfortable. You're a tall. You're a tall man. It's very. I flying is very uncomfortable for me. Not because <laughs> of the height or anything. It's just the whole experience is just really traumatic. I just hate flying, but I love to travel. Interesting. Yeah, I love going to different places, but I don't like the time in between. Once I'm what in Thailand look, or in well, India, what do you or mean the time in between? Like the on travel the time. Yeah, driving to the airport in the fucking uh. Uber. <laughs> 
the the line to get your ticket, the security line, the TSA experience for me is a nightmare because I travel with all my biohacking stuff and I always get practically arrested. Being on a plane, I get super dizzy and vertigo mm. and sick and jet lagged and just tweaked from the altitude. And when I land, it's all that. Getting the hotel, I get in there, I don't like the room because it's too loud. Like, I'm just so high maintenance. You know? <laughs> I'm just a disaster to travel with, honestly. Now, once I get to the place I'm going, I don't care where it is. I will enjoy myself. I'll find the coolest people there, the coolest stuff to do. But yeah, it's the traveling. It's so, the traveling. Interesting. So hmm. if I want to go to the places that I want to go and get there in ways in which I find to be comfortable and satisfactory, that takes a lot of money. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now is if I want to go, cool, yeah, I'd like to go. Like my uh, brother Andy's in Columbia right now. And he, he doesn't care where he sits. So he probably flew coach, maybe got like, an okay seat, but he's definitely not springing triple, quadruple for the first class seat. Right. He texts me this morning, he's like, dude, you gotta come down here, it's amazing. This and that, he's telling me all about it. I'm like, that's cool, but the minute I think about the budget, I'm like, well, I'm not flying there unless I go first class. So it's gonna be a while, Yeah, you know? And so I'd like to be in a place where that's not a consideration. My brother's like, hey, I'm in Columbia, come down, roll. I go, cool, be there tomorrow. And I just like have cash to buy a ticket, no credit card bullshit, no debt. No false sense of financial security, but like actual wealth and security and investments and passive income and smart adulting things. Yes. So I'm now working on balancing or transmuting my love of health and spirituality and what I have to offer the world into actual monetary, physical value Mm -hmm. that allows me to live the lifestyle that I want to live. to a higher degree. Yeah. But the things that I want aren't, I don't care about having a Tesla or right, right. a huge mansion and sure, like having sure. multiple homes. Like, honestly, I'd be really good just having one dope house kind of out in the woods near a city. Like a house in the Hollywood Hills, Ojai, Topanga. I'm chilling. I'll live there for 30 years. Yeah. I don't need like, and a house in Maui and this yeah, and that. Yeah. If that's there, but that's not my thing. I just want a comfortable, nice home and the ability to travel in class yeah. and eat decent food. Yeah. And then I would really, really like to have uh, just a fulfilling, growth-based, healthy relationship mm. and the potential to have my own family because I feel like I didn't really... It's not something I've ever really aspired to have, mm-hmm. but... You're talking about romantic relationships. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, to be in love, to get married, to have a home, to build a life together which I've had a few great relationships, but don't now. Uh, But I think I'm at an age now also where that nuclear family, Mm -hmm. it really feels like a beautiful thing. That's like, that's something that I would like to manifest. Mm. And I think part of it is because I never really had that. Yeah. As a kid on my own. And so it's never been something I valued because I didn't experience it. So it wasn't like it was there, then I grew up on my own and it was gone. It was sort of never there. In the first place. So it was place. never, it was something I looked at people in movies and be like, why did, why would you do that? Or yeah, you didn't a, get. Yeah, a friend like, of mine would get married or get someone pregnant and I'd literally have the thought like, oh my God, poor guy. Like, oh no. God, now he has to like show up and be accountable. How lame. <laughs> you know, I was like, that sucks, you know. Meanwhile, they're living the dream. They're really happy and fulfilled right. and have love in their life. Like, and what? They have companionship and, you know, sex on command probably and they're, they're doing great, you know, and I'm like, uh, um, 
I'm over there, you know, trying to be Mr. Cool single guy, actually not fulfilled and mm. lonely on, at a certain level, you know. So in terms of like one's values, I think right. that my values are being formed and, and reshaped and expanding based on all of the practices that I do and the things that I'm learning. Because I interview so many brilliant people. Like yes. I interview John Gray and the way he frames a relationship, I'm like... I want that, whatever you're talking about. I was totally out of my stratosphere of experience, you know, where it's like a really fulfilling tool for not only union, but individual spiritual growth yeah. and, you know, intimacy on like or totally oh, another wow. level than I've ever had. So I think um, in terms of having a fulfilling life that I don't want to end up being some old guy that has a great house and a great career and has had a meaningful impact on the world and you're sitting there alone. That... That sounds kind of like lacking. Yeah. So in your experience in relationships in the past, how do you, how have you grown and changed? Oh my god. So in the past few years. Yeah. Past 3 years. So, oh my god. <laughs> I've been through fucking hell, man. Honestly, I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, that's the thing. It's sort of like I led such a dysfunctional life for so long mm. in my childhood, adolescence, into my teens, my early 20s. And then so at 26, when I got sober, it was literally like I was born then. Mm. So, so many of, uh, developmentally speaking, so many things that I've gone through, I feel, I mean, I guess you don't like to compare yourself to other people, but if I just think about it, the average male human lifespan in this culture and in this time period, I'm kind of a late bloomer in many ways. Mm. Um, so you work on, you get sober, you sort out that, and then it's like, oh shit, I totally skipped the part in life where you learn how to have a healthy relationship <laughs> or how to have sex be something meaningful right. and bonding yeah. and not just something that's fun and feels good or you know, as a drug or something like that, you know, so um, I've changed so much in terms of relationships. I think in the arrogance of thinking that because I figured out how to be very love avoidant <laughs> and stay out of a certain depth of intimacy. It's like I would go in the pool, but not in the deep end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'd swim in the middle of the pool. And sure. We can be in love and we can live together, but I'm never going all the way in mm. to deep vulnerability, to a place where I could get really deeply hurt, scarred, or abandoned. And so for me, the way to avoid getting hurt was just have all of my relationships kept within a certain boundary of closeness and vulnerability, which meant just mostly kind of dating and really casual relationships. Mm -hmm. And I thought that I really had it figured out because once I started to work on myself, I was able to do that in a way that was very honest yeah. and didn't involve coercion or manipulation. Sure. You know, too well, maybe a little bit here and there. I don't think any man is totally innocent of seduction or any human being. Actually, <laughs> I, I, wait, yeah, a I man? What am I talking about? Don't blame men. Blame any all any the woman men. wearing makeup and high heels is manipulative. <laughs> like they're just from a surface standpoint. Let's be real here. Um, and any guy who drives a car, he can't afford by the same token. But um, no, it's just it's like 
I thought that I was so, this is when you get older, you look back and you realize, I thought I had this shit so figured out. Because mm. I'm like, I'm safe, I'm cool. As long as I'm honest, I'm up front, I don't yeah. lie, I don't use people. And if I am using them, I tell them, hey, we're using each other. That's what this is. You cool with that? If they're on board, I'm absolved of any wrongdoing or guilt. Everything's on the up and up. And I was able to live what I felt to be in integrity. And I think I pretty much was. I told it like it was. This is what I'm willing to give you in a relationship. This is where the line is that I don't go past. And for me, that line was like, we're not being monogamous. I'm not giving you kids and we're not going to get married. But anything outside of that, I'm all yours, you know. And mm. a woman that is willing to settle for that degree of unavailability, um, I'd venture to say is maybe also unavailable herself to herself. Yeah. Otherwise wouldn't. Agreed to Abide that. Abide by that. Yeah. But I really thought I had the answer. I was like, cool, I can have a girlfriend, have my freedom, let them know what's up, this is the way I am, this is what I'm about. But oh my God, how lonely that is mm. at the end of the day because one's missing out on the true depth of love and being seen and seeing someone else and having the courage to take those risks, you yeah. know, so... Um, having been in love and been in a great relationship where I thought that I had it all dialed and lost the relationship as a result of my ability to really offer more, you know, um, then I started really looking inside and my friend Neil <laughs> wrote a book called The Truth. And I swear to God, I always refer to it when I read that book. I'd just gotten out of a relationship. I'd lost someone that I really cared about and it was painful and I was all alone and I moved in by myself for the first time since, I mean, actually I've never really lived alone. There was a stretch for about six months in my 20s, but I've always lived with roommates, girlfriends, parents, whatever. I was by myself and I was reading that book and I would sit on my couch and I would just be bawling. And then I'd be laughing my ass off because he's a really funny writer. <laughs> he's a great writer. Uh, but we had these, these we were, bo were both the same age. We were both very love avoidant personalities, I mean, from a psychoanalytical standpoint, that's what you'd say is like love avoidant, unavailable, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. unable to attach, you know, due to issues of emotional enmeshment with mom. And it's all textbook shit when you mm -hmm. go to therapy and the stuff you look at. Uh, emotional incest kind of issues where you're treated not so much as a kid, but as a spouse and an equal and a friend and all that kind of stuff. Um, Well-intentioned parenting that has the net result of Having a guy like me not want to get trapped, man, you know, mm. no one's going to hold me down, you yeah. know, that whole like fear of, oh, I sure, can't sure, be sure. with other people and like, oh, yeah. you know. So go through a breakup, read that book. He lays out the whole experience, loses a girl, and I'll just, it's a spoiler for, you know, anyone, but if you haven't read the book, too bad. It's going to spoil it because there's no way to tell the story without it. But or you can pause this and just forward yeah. it. But. <laughs> in the book, Neil loses the girl of his dreams because he's unable to be there and he cheats, you know, which I'm not, I'm not a cheater per se. This hasn't been my thing. Cause I just say like, Hey, I'm not going to agree to something that's yeah. going to put me in a position to have to cheat. Sure. I'm going to tell you up front. That's not even on the table. This is the way I used to be. Anyone listening? I'm, I'm evolving and growing <laughs> out of this. I'm not recommending this. I'm just being, I'm being fucking real. You want real? Like this yeah. is, this, this is, is the truth. This, this is a, this is a place to be real. Yeah. And I'm, and I tell these things not to be, you know, sensational, it's just, I don't know if I would have heard this when I was 35, it could have saved me. Could 
could have probably saved me a lot of pain. Yeah. I didn't hear anyone talk about this stuff. Maybe I wasn't listening. I didn't meet the right people. Yeah. But I read Neil's goddamn book. <laughs> it just <laughs> devastated me because he loses the girl because of his, you know, immaturity, essentially. And then goes off and works. He took him five years to write the book. Mm. And it was around the same five years. I was going through like a parallel universe kind of situation. And then at the end of the book, he had worked on himself and learned a lot about himself and had really put in the effort and he gets the girl back. And they got back together and they're still together. She's a lovely woman named Ingrid and they have a kid and he's living happily ever after at a beautiful home in Malibu. Mm. And I'm sitting in my apartment alone going like, oh shit too late you know and it was it was too late and it was just it was a done deal so then I thought okay well I don't want to repeat what I've done and then I had a couple other attempts at really well, I don't want to say attempts I, mean, I had a couple other relationships that were great in many respects um, that brought me to the point of wow no now I'm very clear on what I want I really want the idea of being afraid of committing or like being monogamous is like oh my god I want that more than anything mm. and I have that to offer and yeah. now I'm very clear on what a partner looks like that has that to offer back mm -hmm. so I'm more available in that respect than I ever have been in my life mm -hmm. and also have pretty I want to say strict that's not the right word but really high standards of what I expect the other person to bring because I've done a lot of work to arrive at this point where I'm really willing to give of myself in a way that I never have before yeah so in the course of you know three years, I'm literally have done a 180 wow. on my whole view of like marriage and monogamy and wow. kids and living together wow. and getting married and I had some really fucked up ideas that I picked up along the way, you know that I'm I regret having lived by them. I, mean, I think any guy that's read Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan, like you try that shit you know, having multiple partners and polyamory and whatever and you think you got that figured out open relationships all that bullshit I mean for anyone no judgment against anyone else if you found the way to make that work sincerely God bless you but <laughs> I just had so many ideas about the way the world was supposed to be and yeah. trying to live like a fucking bonobo I'm not a bonobo I'm a spiritually evolved human being that's continuing to further progress in my own maturity and level of self-awareness yeah. and spiritual understanding you know and energy so I think the highest place of evolution is to be able to really commit my higher self to another person's higher self and yeah. to go there together yeah but you gotta have both people on the same page and I think that that's one of the biggest problems especially in the world that we live in now with so many options for people and people thinking that there's always more out there there's somebody better or there's somebody that is willing to compromise more or whatever I think that there's definitely a fine line and I think that the number one thing is is what you said is knowing being very extremely crystal clear with what you want and what your value is and what you're willing to to compromise because everyone is going to have a different vision of what of what that is but i think on an emotional and spiritual level we have the ability to connect with somebody that's 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 on the even keel and i i think that from people that i work with and you know friends and and family members 
that have been in relationships, I, I can see as an outsider, I can see where, where some people are, are on the same level and some people aren't. And when some people are selling themselves short and when other people are giving way, way more than they need. And so it's beautiful to hear your story and your, your process as to how you got to this place, especially in, in romantic relationships, especially for a man, because I think that men also, uh, maybe they evolve a little bit later. In life. <laughs> <You think> <laughs> <laughs> I can say that because, you know, Tori's older uh, than I am, you know, and yeah. he's about 12 years older than, than I am. And, yeah. um, we started dating when I was very young. And so for him, it sounds like it definitely took him a lot longer to evolve. And I, I evolved quite quickly. But yeah. growing at those at that age when two people are on on a a pretty impactful, different path, um, Sometimes you kind of grow apart a little bit, but that doesn't mean that you're less committed to each other. And I think that those are the times where you come to these decisions. And I feel like a lot of the times in relationships, that's when people break because they think, oh, we've grown apart. That's over. And it's like, I'm such a believer in love, even though I come from a broken home. Similar to you, I didn't have a good a good modeling of what a healthy relationship was. It was like physical abuse. There was... Uh, drugs, there was, you know, people cheating on each other. And it just was kind of like, that was normal to me. I'm like, oh, you just kind of have a lot of people in your life. And that's just how it is. And so when I when I got into a committed relationship at a young age, I didn't actually think it would last. I was like, oh, we'll be together for like a year, and it'll be fun. And then I'll move on. And he was not of that mindset. His parents have been together for almost 50 years. I mean, that's just wow. high school sweethearts, you know? Wow. Like, and so it was interesting for, it was a, a big learning experience for me to see what a healthy relationship was like because I didn't, I had not seen it or had experienced yeah. it. Yeah. So in, in the evolution of, of our relationship, of Tori and I's relationship, there were definitely moments where we grew apart. And it felt like, oh, this is what it's like when you've been together with, with somebody for a long time and you're on two different paths. But I really feel like if you're definitely committed to someone and you're willing to, to do the work and you're willing to look into that dark place that you were talking about, you're willing to be uncomfortable and to have really uncomfortable conversations with each other and go into the deep end together... I think that you break through those things. And I think that if both people put themselves out there in that way, I think that something truly magical happens. You know, you, you kind of evolve to the next phase of that growing together, you know? And I think it, in the 14 years we've been together, it's been, it's always been like that. It's been, we grow together. Sometimes we grow apart. We grow together. Sometimes we grow apart, but the common agreement I guess in in using your terms has been that we will both go into the deep end you know I might not agree with everything that my partner wants he might not agree with everything I want but at the end of the day if we're both willing to go into the deep end together then then that's that's all we need to know you know like that's yeah. at that point you know like we just we we you know you put the power into, you know, the divine at that point. It's like, whatever happens, happens. We're both willing. And if this works out, great. And if it doesn't, then that's the law of 
the land, you mm-hmm. know. So, mm-hmm. but I love what you're saying as far as it, it, your evolutionary journey with with understanding that in relationships. And to me, I can see how that could be extremely daunting and even fearful sometimes because if you don't you I mean people aren't walking around men or women like with a little tag on them like hey I'm willing to go on the in the deep end you know or oh I'm only willing to go in 20% or oh, I'm only willing to go where it's safe like I think if people were way more honest as to where they were in that process people would have deeper connections with each other I think just in general not even in romantic relationships just in relationships in general. I think it just really takes our ability to be more honest with ourselves and what we're willing to do. Because we're so quick to ask for what we want and what we want in our partner. It's like, oh, I want dot, 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 dot. And they need to be, you know, spiritually evolved and be willing to like <laughs> be open and how ha- and want to go out and have fun, but I don't want them to party too much, but I want to be able to go have a good time and you know, I want to be able to have a pet and all these things, but it's like we're not willing to sit down and be like, well, I'm willing to listen intently and not go into my patterning when I don't agree with you and always um consider the fact that I may be wrong. You know, I mean, like, those are my rules. I, I always like to talk to people that have been in relationships for a, in a, for a long time and ask them for what, like, what's the key. And a couple of the things that I've received, one of them is uh, a friend of ours that, uh, funny enough, owns a Mexican restaurant in Ojai, which oh, is really wow. great. And he said that the key to his relationship is to to never say always and never oh you always da, da, or da, you, da. Never. you never da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah he must be a byron katie <laughs> probably yeah byron katie you know uh, i'm so excited i'm going to interview her in march i'm like yeah i was trying to get her for a year and i don't know it finally disconnected but she has this whole thing called the work, and it's essentially like a way in which you question your sure. thoughts. Sure. And so when she does the work with someone, you would compl- say, you're comp- I'm her, you're her I'm devotee, her student, and you would complain and say, well, I'm mad at my husband because he always leaves dishes in the sink. And then she'll say, so is it true that he always leaves dishes in the sink <laughs> and then the person's like well not always but yeah. a lot of the time you know and then you start yeah. going into that so that's that's funny that languaging yeah, yeah. i catch myself doing that too. yeah i do too just in talking to myself somebody sure. pisses me off i'm like they never give me the respect i deserve yeah. but they always do this and then i, I literally ask myself is that true luke <laughs> is, is what your mind is producing? Do they always, or you'll assign meaning to this? Is the mind, sure. I mean, God, we wouldn't have time to even go there, but the mind assigns this meaning to things that it just makes up. And then I go, well, my mind told me that's what happened. Sure. Okay, do, 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 do. I'll just listen to my brain. It's like, no, it's not a reliable source of information. Ugh. But, you know, when it comes to relationship advice, sure. I have a a general rule, and that is I seek advice from people who are happy and in a healthy relationship. Mm. My dad, uh, my meditation teacher, Jeff Kober, uh, a few people come to mind. If they got 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years in, 
I think they're a viable person yeah, to listen they to. They know something. My therapist has been in married to her husband for 35 years and has a she's an older woman, you know. She's she's sexually active, she tells me, passionate. Uh, they have a very healthy, <laughs> fulfilling relationship. You know, I'm sure they have their ups and downs, sure. but she's got this shit figured out. Yeah, so and then she's got to know something. When I get advice know? from her, I'm like, okay, I bow down. I listen. Yeah. What do I know? What results have I gotten using whatever preconceived ideas I brought sure. to the table? Yeah. I mean, I've had some great experiences, but I've only ever gone so far. You yeah, know? So interesting. Yeah. So it's fun, but it's it's great when you meet someone that has success in a certain area. It just it's like I'm not going to take financial advice from someone who's broke either. Right. Business advice. I mean, my dad is such a great uh, mentor to me, and he's been so successful in in business and finance. He's great with money. He's never been in debt. He invests. He lives off passive income. I mean, he's got the thing that I want. He's an entrepreneur, all that, and is a very healthy, fulfilling relationship with a great woman who's not my mom, obviously. Um, as I mentioned, they got divorced. But he also has a lot of problems with his mind. And so he comes to me for advice on meditation and mindfulness and the general neurosis of being at the will, uh, at the, you know, the effect of one's ego and things sure. like that. So he comes to me for like spiritual advice and I go to him for like, hey, how do I pay off credit cards, you know, or right. whatever. Right. So That's we all, great. I think if we're honest with ourselves and humble, there's, there's teachers everywhere that are further on the path in, in different aspects of life. Yeah. You know, it's rare that you, you meet someone that has the whole thing nailed. Sure. And if they do, you should be really afraid and not. Yeah, well, especially if they claim to have it all nailed. Right. Um, I literally can talk to you for hours, uh, and I want to be respectful of your time. Where can people go to get more information about you and everything that you're doing in the world? Well, my podcast is the, the crown jewel of my... <laughs> my adventures and that's called the lifestylist and it's on spotify and itunes and all over and then my website is lukestory.com with an ey and in terms of social media and then everything you know all the videos and podcasts and stuff are there and then um, for social media my uh, channel of choice is instagram i'm like so we all now know that you're on instagram a lot so we're all going to continue to stalker <laughs> yeah. you on there yeah at luke story yeah i'm there i'm there all the time luke thank you so much for everything for coming over and for being part of the show and for streaming this and for just all the work that you're doing and the impact that you're creating and i'm just i feel so lucky to know you and to have had you as a guest and thank you for being open oh, and honest man. and vulnerable and sharing so much. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I'm really honored that you had me on your show. It's fun. I love to share this stuff. Oh, you know? good. So it's, it's great. It's such a, I think I get so pumped on it because I have to exercise restraint on my <laughs> podcast. I want to talk as much as I talk when I'm being interviewed, but it's like, oh, I'm always holding back. <laughs> it's like fighting to let the guests talk. So I love being interviewed. I can finally okay. like. Just let go. Yeah, let the cap off the genie oh, bottle and just and let it loose. So thank you for allowing oh, me the course. space to do that. Tea time. You can come over anytime. Tea awesome. time. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.